Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today we have another very special guest in the world of education. But I'm going to double down on how special it is because it's somebody from my own tribe, which is the tribe of math educators. And so, and it's it's somebody who I think has, uh, we actually seem to have a lot in common in terms of our philosophies and our approaches to teaching math. And uh, we both genuinely love math and love teaching math. So I think all those different factors kind of make us kindred spirits in a lot of ways. So this is super cool and super fun for me. The gentleman that I'm interviewing today, his name is Robert Adut, and he is a math educator, author, and speaker, as well as founder of yaymath.org, a free online collection of math video lessons filmed live in his classroom, in studio, and on the street using costumes and characters. I've seen some of these in there. They're really funny. He's got over, uh, I believe, 180... 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. Robert has been teaching math for 10 plus years, has given two TED Ed talks, one on math anxiety, and travels to schools promoting his message of positive learning through human connection. Oh, that's incredible because we got to talk about the connection element uh, a little bit later because I made a whole video about that in terms of math tutoring. So without further ado, Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Trusefa. Yes, this is the math tribe. This is the tribe, man. That was... That was quite that was that was quite a kinship connection statement. So thank you for having me on, and I, I look forward to our conversation. All right, awesome. Well, I can't. Let's jump right in. So t- first, rewind the clock. Tell us how did you know that you wanted to teach math? How did you begin on that journey? Well, I never I never really knew that I wanted to teach math, um, but I knew that uh, math was always my thing ever since eighth grade. You know, I've been I've been thinking about it a lot lately, actually. Uh, being on the road. Um, I told you before that I'm traveling with my family now around the world. We're currently in Bali. And uh, I was thinking about you reflect on things. And it, I can go all the way back to eighth grade when I was performing pretty well in my um, at-level math class. The teachers suggested that I go to honors. And I was behind in the class. And so the teacher stayed after with me every day and he caught me up on his own time. And my dad came from his job. He left early and he sat on the other side of the teacher, just looking completely baffled at the stuff that was going on in the class. And I saw the look on my dad's face of utter confusion. And uh, I saw what the teacher was trying to do for me. And I thought for the first time, like, wow, like this is real, real adult grown up stuff. This isn't kitty stuff anymore. If my, my own dad is confused, who's an engineer, then, uh, I'm maybe I'm qualified to do more uh, with my capability. And yeah, it, it, it led to me going on the fast track to math. And, and then, uh, you know, I figured out that I wanted to teach uh, later on in life, even after being a computer software engineer, it wasn't for me. And so I, I sort of fell backwards into math, like my 
my original home. <laughs> okay, so this, <laughs> you know? this this is really funny because I also uh, was a software engineer before. I was a software engineer, and then I I went to law school, and I was a patent attorney, and then I transitioned over to math education. But that's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. You, yeah, you can't you you can't help who you love or what you love. Yeah, you know, and, and I think it's important to embrace that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's really true. It, 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 it's a relief, you know. Now, that feeling. Now you yeah. talk about that being maybe an inflection point, and I myself have have my own story about my inflection point where I started to I went from being like okay about math to loving it, and I think that's super important. And that also brings up a interesting topic of something that I've talked about before on the show and talked to my students about it and parents about it all the time. But something called mm-hmm. math anxiety, and and it's actually it's a it's actually diagnosable. It's a real thing. What is math anxiety? Yes, math anxiety. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, this was the TEDx talk that you mentioned. Thank you, because uh, it's an important topic for people. The issue is um, we have, uh, as human beings, a fight or flight response, you know, when we receive uh, stress or pressure. And that fight or flight response keeps us alive. It's, it releases a surge of adrenaline. And the issue with that is that it's perfectly suited for uh, escaping danger. Or, or, or powering up your body, you know, for in case there's going to be uh, trauma or damage or, or things like that, or not needing any food at that moment. You know, you're, there's a lot of value to the fight or flight response. The issue is, though, the brain centers that manage rational thinking, which is math-centered thinking, among other things, completely shut down during these moments, and, and I liken this with students that I talk to about it. It's like when they're feeling like they're stressed during a test, the best example is if, you know, you and I were hanging out one night, late at night, and we're talking, and you hear some, something scratching on the other side of the door, and we both get spooked out, and we creep towards the front door, and we hear scratching, scratching, scratching on the other side of the door, you would, would you expect yourself or even someone way younger than you or, or not as versed as you in math, if I were to just put my hand on their shoulder and be like, what's the quadratic formula? You know, like you wouldn't be able to do that. And that creepy, um, first of all, that's double creepy because it's scratching and quadratic formula, like without expectation. And you wouldn't expect the person to be like negative B plus or minus the square root of B squared all over two A. I saw the video. I just want to let you know. It was a good video. <laughs> I was wondering it where was really going. good. It was good. <laughs> quadratic formula. Anyone listening to this, you have to see Josefa's videos on the quadratic formula. It's so it's, I love that like little, it's like R&B type of soul. Negative B. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. It's really good. It's catchy. It's fun. Thank you. But that's the point. Like you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to go into math mode and the person would actually be upset at you. Like, what are you doing? I'm like scared right now. What are you doing? Right. Right. And this is what students experience every day in the math sometimes or often. Right. This is what they experience, and we can't expect people to go against their own biological, anatomical wiring and perform on high-stakes exams, let's say, when they feel like there's a bump in the night. The same feeling, the same 
physical, biological, chemical feeling in their body that, that it's impossible. It's impossible. It's not even hard because that part of your brain is shut down. And so that leads to these like overwhelming feelings of anxiety. Uh, and, and the issue isn't necessarily the math. The issue is the, is the fear and the upset. And that's what's preventing math learning. It's funny. So we, it's a, it's a, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah I had uh, Dr. John Medina on the show a couple months ago, and he, he's the author of Brain Rules, which is an amazing book. If anybody out there hasn't read it, you should check it out. Uh, really cool for all about education and how the mind works best. He said on the show that the best way to get somebody to not learn uh, as a teacher is to yell at them. If you yell at somebody, you right. scare them, and you put them exactly in the mode that you're describing. And then he said it takes about two hours for the brain to recover from that trauma. And that's kind of what's happening with math anxiety without even doing anything traumatic. And it, it just sort of happens. And of course, I've seen it up front right. many times. What is your so let's say we have math anxiety and it can develop. I, I know in your TED talk, you mentioned it can develop for a number of reasons. You can have a bad teaching experience or a bad connection with the teacher or, or, or a bad experience with a family member involving math, whatever it may be. Now it's developed. Right. Now it's there. How do you fix it? So when I have students, this is the, um, this is good stuff, man. You're good. You're doing a good service. So I, I think about this stuff most days. And so let's say I'm with a student and a parent and we're talking about, you know, the, the classic iconic line. I know it before I go into the test, but then I get to the test and I blank out. Right. That's what they say. And that's like a, a sign of the anxiety. So first of all, since it's such a complex issue, we have to we have to put the fork in the road and realize, ask ourselves whether it's an anxiety thing or whether it's uh, actually like they're not as prepared as they thought. And they're blaming it on the anxiety, you know, inadvertently and with good intention. But they feel like they're ready. But maybe they're really not, because then I would say in response, like, all right, what's five plus five? Quick. Tell me now, what's five plus five? And I'll do this like mock aggressive face. And he's like 10 and he smiles a little. And I'm like, all right, did you, were you scared? Were you upset? Were you this? Were you like, you know, like, no. And it's like, okay, so what if we could get all your math capability for a test to be like five plus five for you? What if I gave you a math test that was all five plus five, five plus four, five plus seven, and, and, and you were able to do that? That would be a pretty awesome test because you'd probably do really well. So let's try to get you closer to feeling like the, the problems are five plus five, just to rule out whether you're underprepared. The next thing though, if it is actually anxiety or if anxiety is partially at play, is to really discuss what are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? And then you just sit back and, and, and enjoy the the massive, massive, deep fears, if they're willing to go there and to be courageous enough and say, I don't want to be a failure. I'm afraid about college. I'm afraid about parents. I'm afraid about the money for college. I'm afraid about not getting a good job. I'm afraid of looking stupid. I'm afraid of, uh, of, of not measuring up. Uh, I'm afraid. Of, uh, I mean, though, each one of those is an entire case study. And I think, I think of letting students have those feelings be explored as early as possible and, and working with them and accepting them and loving them, that can really uh, forge the bond. And I think that's the way out of the woods. You forge the bond with the educator, force, forge the bond with the parents and really get them talking about what it is that's going on with them 
and uh, I don't know, they'll, they'll blossom, they'll grow. I've seen it and, and it could work and, and it would work with all things, not just math, you know, anything that anyone is trying to accomplish, got to talk about what's un- the underwriting fears behind them. Let's let's talk back. Let's talk about a little bit more about the idea of the bond and the connection. This is this is something that that I felt strongly about for a long time, and I've just seen firsthand. Yeah. And when it's not, and also when you look at it from a private tutoring perspective, because that's that's all, I've done more of that than even the three years of teaching. I've done a ton of private tutoring. The connection right. almost essentially has to be there. So why? Let's let's talk. I want to get from your perspective. Why do you think the what is it about having a connection with the teacher and the student teacher connection, knowing that the teacher actually cares? about the subject or cares about you what why is that so important it's like yeah it's it's really really true like there's a lot of research also um when i was doing research for my book i read a lot of parker palmer he's one of my one of my education heroes and he talks about this this term called indulment which i wrote about um indulment is this basically subconscious uh unspoken strike. It's a protest. If the student will actually, and students either one-on-one with your uh, tutoring students or in the classroom, they'll do an implicit uh, protest of not wanting to learn from you if, if they've rejected you, if they have resentment towards you. And they indulge themselves. They actually like they shut, they shut down their brain centers. It's, it's really sad and fascinating. Um, whereas on the flip side, I, I truly believe, I truly believe that all inspired people, all inspired teams, you could say, you could even go to sports or performative groups, dance teams, uh, um, theater groups, the ones that are truly inspired, they, they really, they want to do it for the coach, they want to do it for, for the leader. They want to, they want to come through for them. They want to, they want to honor something bigger than themselves. And they want to feel like they belong to something and they want to feel recognized that they belong to something and that they're doing something. These are all human qualities. Cause you could, you could swap out the craft. Is it math? Is it dance? Is it basketball? And, and, if they feel connected to the person, then they're going to step up and, and sort of wade through that discomfort. And then it's, and then it's a uh, reciprocal as well, because the sec- then they get uncomfortable because they don't remember the quadratic formula song. And, uh, and then you have their back, you know, and, and you give them love and support and care. And so that they feel like they can keep going. Um, it's, it's scary to learn. It's scary because it's the ultimate act of vulnerability you're, you're, you're exposing yourself. And if you're not, if you don't feel a bond or trust with the person that's giving you the information, that's offering you the information, if you feel like you're can open up your chest and it can only be slashed at at a moment's notice, you're going to shut down and be resentful. But if you feel like you could be vulnerable and be wrong without losing face and understand that being wrong is part of the process and, you know, get some context behind it, then, then learning will spiral up. So, yeah, that, I definitely believe, as you do, in the value of the of the connection with the human being, first and foremost. I, th- I think you touched on an, another po- uh, point within that that is just as important, which is the idea of creating a safe space for math. And I've I've seen this too, where the detriments of perhaps like a slightly condescending tone or 
where yeah. teachers make make students feel inadequate or stupid for not knowing something and th- i think that's a huge danger what uh i i mean i'm absolutely positive that that uh I'm sure that that's not an issue in your classroom because you're so passionate and you have that bond. But what what would you say to teachers who may be having issues with that, or maybe parents that are placed in classrooms with teachers that may may behave in those ways? Uh, let's start with the parents because their plight is very real with with regards to teachers like this. Um, and then I'll switch to teachers for briefly for parents. I definitely advocate both the parents and the child's and the child's and the children to, um, to really try, try really hard to tap in to their empathy skills. Uh, the, the, what, why do you think a person, let's say we have evidence that the, the teacher is actually yelling. Let's say sometimes it's, it, it, sometimes they're not. And it's, uh, it's a little hyperbolic, um, and they were just making a point or something like that, or having a funny moment. But let's say they were being this sort of like borderline abusive behavior within the classroom. You know, I, you, you don't have to look hard and, and you can find reasons for empathy. What, what's going on at home for them? Are they having family issues? The teacher, I'm saying. Are, are they, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I'm saying it's a very elevated place to be as a student. Imagine a 16-year-old having empathy for an adult who's technically acting out at their own job and the 16 year old using those feelings of empathy to guide them and, and, and sort of work with, work with that as opposed, it's so human, it's so connective and it, and it's, it's so kind. Um, while also having feelings of frustration, you, you can harbor both of those, like I'm frustrated, this te- you know, but to start to lead from that empathy place and then, and then work to, work, work to find ways around it, you know, either, you know, getting in touch with the teacher from last year or, you know, finding a study group or texting their friends if they have problems or, you know, getting a tutor if that's in the works or, or anything like that. There's, there's ways around it because no one really owns information. Information should not be behind a bottleneck. And, uh, you know, the, the teacher doesn't have to be the gatekeeper anymore. And if it's frustrating for the student and the parent, for the teacher to be the gatekeeper, then they have to just find a way to sort of sidestep the, the landmines. For the teachers, you know, I really think that if, they, if, they're, if, if, if a teacher knows that he or she is over it, they should probably just walk away. They should. That's just, that's a minority of them, you know, but that we all have these in our midst. If, if a teacher knows that they're over it, they should just find something that they're more passionate to do. It's a, that's the bottom line. That would solve a lot of the problem. But then otherwise, like, yeah, we all, we can all improve. We could all, we could all realize what's making me so frustrated now. Why am I losing my cool? What, what, what is it about these kids that bothers me so much? And how can I communicate it in a way so that they fix the behavior or we could partner? What do they need from me so that they can do what I'm asking? There's a, there's a lot of human connective compromise negotiation, you know, types of tools that, that can be used, but it it stems down to really wanting to improve. And if they do, then there's lots of, lots of openings because it's a hard, it's a hard job, the teaching, and and it requires us to, to really dig deep. And sometimes the kids don't really step up and do do their part of it too, and meet us halfway. And and that could be really, really burdensome and, and frustrating. It really can. 
Yeah, I can definitely, I definitely yeah. agree with all of that that you said. Uh, um, let's. I want to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel because I love YouTube. Think it's an incredible teaching tool. Can be an incredible teaching tool, and and it's a big part of what I consider to be this massive ed tech revolution that's happening. You've got a, a very successful YouTube yeah. channel. Tell us about it a little bit, and you know the content that's on there, and why you think it's it's so successful. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still figuring out like how it, this moment came to be, <laughs> because I'm. I'm kind of uh, enjoying the process as both a fan of it and, and you know, trying to trying to create it myself as well. Um, because really, it, the the thing, like for example, I'll give you. I'll give you. An example. We have one viral video. There's one of all of all the videos there. There's one that's went viral, and that was me with half the class pulling an April Fool's prank on the other half of the class. Um, and this gets back to the bond thing. And the, the other half of the class that didn't know what was going on, we were teaching a lesson that made absolutely no sense on purpose to befuddle the, the half that didn't know what was going on. But we were pretending that it made sense. And at the beginning of the video, I said that playing – like I wrote in the, in the intro, playing pranks is an art form. It has to be done with love in your heart. Now enjoy as we punk these kids. <laughs> so half the class was losing their marbles and the other class was like, this is easy. <laughs> and what, what happened was in the thousands of comments that have ensued since, one of the biggest ones is, oh, my God, these kids feel so comfortable to ask questions. Oh my God, the teacher is so patient. Oh my God, these kids don't feel like uh, afraid of looking dumb or being yelled at. There's a lot of this like underlying pain behind a lot of the people. And it's a beautiful thing when a student's like, uh, Mr. Dude, I have no idea what's going on right now. I don't know anything. I'm so sorry. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like that vibe, it's endearing. It's, it's beautiful. And that's the fuel behind all the videos. Do you, if you want to learn something, you should feel free to be open and vulnerable about it. And if you can get a room of 14 to 17-year-olds asking questions and being spontaneous and laughing and having fun at the same time, uh, along, while, along with the flow of instruction, then that's a one-of-a-kind experience. And that's really, that's really what's taken root with people. It's about that there's actual real students in there. Um, and, and since then I've been, yeah, I've been experimenting with some other formats. I, I did a, a, a sports center parody with, uh, called stat center with, uh, with real statistics and sports as the backdrop. It was a really beautiful, uh, technological display. Um, I went down to Venice beach and, uh, brought a camera and a camera crew and a whiteboard and taught, taught math as street performance art. As people walked by from <laughs> all hilarious. over the world, yeah, it's, we called it "Teach on the Beach," and uh, and I, I believe that math can be teaching. Math can be street performance art, and it was just a massive, massive home run. It was a slam dunk of a day because people stopped and they engaged, and and I centered everything on connecting to the person before me before talking about how to get 20% of 80. And uh, that's what made it a success. That it's all about so the connection cool. with the person. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really it's it's very special. So so this mm. is all this is all so cool, and you've already done so much. You've written a book. You've got this, uh, you know, you got this great class that you're teaching. You've got this huge YouTube following. What's next on the horizon for you? Uh, next on the horizon. So actually, uh, at the time of this recording, I have just relaunched Yay Maths online courses. Uh, these are courses in algebra two and geometry, and they are end to end complete packages, uh, for students to learn, um, both of those courses, um, with yay math videos as the fuel behind it. It's a really, really exciting moment because I've been working relentlessly at these to make them everything that a parent or a teacher would, would want to have in their classroom. And, uh, it just launched, uh, yesterday. And I'm really excited about it. And uh, I think the kids and the parents are really going to love it. So that's, that's, a big, that's a big milestone to have an end-to-end program that students can log into from anywhere and, and actually partake in an entire course that has a, a yay math vibe uh, as opposed to the videos, which are always going to be free and always have been and always will be, um, as opposed to the videos, which are always there. Uh, to have a course centered around them, though, is a is a big deal because it, it creates an entire experience. If, so if, that's 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 big. If people want to check out the course, purchase the course, how do they do that? Oh, thank you. Yes, it's courses.yaymath.org. All right. Excellent. And that is so cool. Well, it, it was great hearing everything from a, a fellow math teacher, of, uh, part of that tribe that we mentioned earlier. I really appreciate that. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. And by the way, uh, Robert's all the way across the world in Indonesia right now, so different time zones. So I really appreciate the, the scheduling and working it out. It was super fun having you on. And again, if you guys want to go check out, oh, if you, uh, do you have a website or anything else other than your YouTube channel, which is Yay Math? Any other place where they can go and find stuff out about what you're doing? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, this was a great conversation, Uzefa. Thank you so much. I'm glad, I'm glad we had this moment, and, and I hope it leads to future collaborations and, and insights together. Uh, the the website is yaymath.org. It's got everything there, the book, the courses, all the videos, ton of free content, online quizzes. They're all free. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all there for helping people. So yaymath.org is the way to go. And, and I just I appreciate your time so much. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Now, guys, if you're listening and if you missed any of that, well, it's a podcast, so you can always rewind. But if you don't want to rewind, you can go to scalarlearning.com, go to the podcast section, and you'll see all of those links in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And also make sure to check out the Scalar Learning YouTube channel. We just released a new math music video on solving quadratics, which goes through the three methods of the quadratic formula, factoring, and completing the square. And there's actually three of me in the video wearing like different t-shirts with those uh, methodologies on them. So that's kind of funny. Uh, So make sure to check that out if you haven't yet. And new episodes are dropping every Monday. uh, So make sure to check back for that. And that is it. I will see you guys next time. Take it easy. Skinner, learning.